friends, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Week Four waivers. It's here. Oh boy, Week Three. Let's uh, let's push that into the past. Jake Seeley, Chris Welsh. That's us all in kid on Twitter for the great Jake Seeley. You can find me at Is It the Welsh. We are obviously going to be breaking down all that is in waivers. A little bit of streaming action. Latest news. You guys want access to the waiver article that's already out. You're you listening. You're already behind the eight ball. If you go to theathletic.com and sign up or just go to All In Kid, click on the article, sign up today. It's a couple bucks. It's worth it. You can have the waiver wires to you right at the stroke of midnight going into Wednesday. You can also have the ranks right to you at the stroke of midnight Thursday. You know, Wednesday into Thursday, that thing. You can have those available to you. We break them down here. Go and do it today. Jake Seeley, not eliminated from survivor pools, I found out before we did the show. Welsh, eliminated from all survivor pools uh, because of dumb things. Week three was kind of dumb. People are a little, we were talking about this, a little salty this week. I think week three got to people, even though we're like almost a quarter of the way through. People are feeling the fantasy football season now. <laughs> They're feeling the anger, that's for sure. Like, not even coming for me in the comments, like coming for each other. Like, it's just, it's insane. Oh. Yeah, it seems like everybody's just angry, angry, angry week three. Uh, scoring was down. Like If you look across your leagues, there's a lot of like I saw 80s and stuff like that. Uh, I needed six points from Matthew Stafford to beat uh, good friends of ours um, over in the Flex League. Uh, I, I should probably mention who they are. What should I when I say good friends yeah. of ours? Like, yeah. just, 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 How good are they? I don't know Rick, who they are. Rick Wolf. Like, I was just no, I was, I was okay. joking about the fact that I was like just good friends of ours and I was just moving on. Uh, I needed six from Matthew Stafford. I didn't even think I was going to get it at one point just to get through that with the interception. So I just think it was a, it was a rough week. You said the su- survivor too, but a real thing on that is I usually like to target the second and third most popular teams, not the super most popular because just the odds they're trying to get through. Like you want the big, the big, the Arizona Cardinals, everybody not Cowboys got knocked out and you have the second and third team. They both won. So, Did you know, on Yahoo though, Cowboys were like third Jaguars were number one at like 24%. The Chiefs were number two. Number two, Chiefs, there you go. Yeah, well, that league I've told you about, the one big pentathlon league I play in, the half of the league is eliminated because there were only three teams taken in the whole thing. Cowboys, Jaguars, and Chiefs. I, Bogman, had the Cowboys, so it's unfortunate. But also, like like you were saying too, like performance-wise things, like people looking at Puka, everyone's like, well, Puka not have like, 11 catches like people are mad that Puka didn't have that stuff everyone looked at uh uh, Devin and Mostert probably on benches maybe not Mostert but like all those points that were scored on the bench it was a weird week so just don't don't bite everybody's heads off We'll, we'll get we'll get through this in fantasy football it's fun we're supposed to have some fun we'll have some fun here I am struggling with it's Devon a chain a chain chain it's not I a know chain. it's not a chain. It's a chain. Yeah, I am a chain. No, right? no, no, a chan, a chan, a chan. I I don't know why it, he has broken my brain. I said his name no less than thirty times yesterday. I'm going into this show. I couldn't do it again. A chan. He told media, I guess, after this insane performance he had, that this is how he wanted to be. A um, chan. <laughs> yeah, a chan was the name that he wanted. Which, like, well, I don't know why. Thing. No. I we was, didn't have no, this before. 
We did. So I was actually, I was coming for him. I was like, is this is similar to the Bajan Robinson? But like at least Bajan Robinson was like, you know, my mom's always called me Bajan, but I've always gone, I'd like, I've even myself said Bijan and been called Bijan and I don't really correct people. I'm fine with it. I was like, Devon, you, you got to be doing the same thing here. Like he can't just all of a sudden be like, ha ha. Please. Like, and I found high school clips where he was called a chain. I followed all the college. Well, the media guy that my point, the media guy, the media guy came at, I know I have it from week one. I looked it up and I was like, Nope, I have the Miami dolphins pronunciation chart. And then all of a sudden you're telling me it's a John. And here's the thing. Two years ago, somebody sent me the video. Kudos to the hair. I want to see if I can find it to give them a shout out because they're the ones who sent it to me. Here it is. It was Carson Jones on Twitter. Uh, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. At Texas A and M, somebody a, a reporter asked him after the game, and he's like, "Can you correct all of it? Like, how do you want your last name pronounced?" And he said, "Achan," and like, so there you go. He actually did. He did correct people a while ago. He just hasn't said a whole lot. That this is also a pri- very private guy. Like, there's no pictures. There's no information. I don't even think people know who his parents' names are. He likes to keep like he's very close to the vest. So I, I get it. Yeah. Kind of also knowing that too is that he wasn't really like uh, say my name right. I mean, he's just not his personality. But yeah, and I just want to get it. I just want to get it right. But for it, there's something about it. Sometimes it a chain is so ingrained in me that he's. It is now all in our face after you know this pending know, the tough. league forty he, like, to fifty. Wait until now. <laughs> I know. Tough. So everybody, bear with me because it literally breaks my brain. It's going to probably take a couple weeks because we're going to talk about Devon Achan. Right, Devin a- Achan, Devin Achan, right? Achan, Achan, Achan. Devon Achan, Achan. Oh, if I do like a song that I listen to, it go Devon Achan. Da, 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 da. That's a song. Let's make it, please. Somebody do that. But uh, that performance was wild. Uh, we, I have him in multiple leagues. Didn't get to take advantage like the ninety nine percent of other people, except. I did have him in a best ball, which was a pretty nice feeling when you got him in a best ball. But that performance, we didn't get to take advantage of. But we are going to talk about him because moving forward, is he going to be a starting running back? That's what we've got to do. I mean, obviously, that performance would dictate that. But I don't know if everybody's feelings are quite there because you still have Mostert. You still have Wilson. So we'll talk about him, where he lies on the waiver wire this week. And we're going to do running backs, wide receivers, some streaming options at quarterback. Let's get into all the stuff, Jake, with a little bit of news. We did find out yesterday, as we're recording this, uh, it became official that Mike Williams, that injury that I had heard speculation could be a month, is the season because he tore his ACL. He is out. And that's unfortunate because there's been a lot of injury stuff that kind of follows Mike Williams. And that is going to end up uh, creating a bigger conversation for us here in a little bit about Josh Palmer and Quinton Johnston because that team pass, pass, passes. Uh, but we're going to talk about them, but let me ask you something uh, in line with that. Whatever we do end up you know, pushing for those guys, do you think Keenan Allen has been wildly underrated this whole year? I got in a big old argument with Bogman about this because he's just he's always like, oh, no, Keenan Allen, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like 20 targets, 18 catches. Do you foresee, not that performance, but Keenan Allen to just be going bonkers the rest of the year and getting that real big target share? Or is this a specific game where, you know, we got the big target? You know what I'm kind of getting at? Like, is he in that wide receiver one, deep wide receiver one territory like that performance indicated or more mirage because we're going to get the rest of these other guys. 
No, because what's the difference between him and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson? Like, what's like honestly production wise? What's the difference right now? Keenan Allen has been among the best, and what's going to change? Nothing, because now you have no Mike Williams. It's not like Mike Williams was even the one holding him back. Like, there's nothing. There's not really much of a change here. They might even get more targets going his way. It's because Kellen Moore came in and said, "You know what? We don't need to only use Keenan Allen as a big slot. Let's actually move him around." And he's been moved around a lot more than he ever has been, like in years. I mean, we're talking about somebody that was like 70% big slot, and now it's like 40% outside, 40% in the slot, 40%. Well, I mean, depending on if you're like the out wider. And I don't want to go that deep for it, but like out wide versus slot versus the inside wide receiver out wide, like because they parse it out three different ways. But point being, he's moving around all these positions versus being what he has been. And whether it's Joshua Palmer, whether it's Quinton Johnston, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like the, the volume is going to be there. Kellen Moore loves him. He's the number one target. He's one of the top ten in target shares. That's not going to change now. Who? This is one of those questions. So just bear with it. But who would you rather have rest of season, Keenan Allen or Jamar Chase? Keenan Allen. I didn't think I would get that quick of a um, affirmative response from you as well. But obviously, the Bengals have not looked good. Joe Burrow is not healthy, and Keenan Allen. That's looks the biggest like thing. I don't know that. I don't know that Joe Burrow's because he's playing through it. And there were throws last night uh, for people. Where this is Tuesday or when we're talking about. It. Yeah, I was almost like, is it Tuesday? It is Tuesday. It's Tuesday when we're talking. It's already that time. It's four weeks in and I already can't figure out what date it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is Tuesday. There were throws last night where I, I know like they were talking Orlowski said it on the network. And I was like, eh, come on. Like he was saying that Jamar Chase hasn't had a whole lot of time with Joe Burrow in practice. Like, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase don't need practice together. Like, seriously, they could not practice for seven months, and they'll be fine. They know each other well enough. They're both elite players. They'll be okay. If you watched it, the one that he really sailed over him, I think it's the calf. It's the plant. It's the planting down and being able to flick. It's not just get the air underneath it. It's getting the power on the throw so you don't sail it. And he did it a couple times. I really think the calf is not 100% still. And that's pretty telling, too, that you didn't have to think really twice about rest of season. Like, no, we'll go with Keenan. We'll go with Keenan over Jamar. And that burns a lot of the... I mean, Jamar Chase is still a great receiver, and yeah, things I mean, can turn. It's still like maybe so like early. four versus five or something like that. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, it I'm is a small to. margin. I, I just what's what's more interesting about it is the margin from where Chase was being put up into the like Justin Jefferson number one overall pick territory to now he's still in the top echelon. But we'd rather have Keenan right. Allen. You know, well, Keenan Allen's, Allen's got thirty three percent of his team targets. There's only four players in front of him: Adams, Nakua, Hill, and AJ Brown. Is that going to go down now that there's no no? Like yeah, like. Adding Quinton Johnston is not going to now make Keenan Allen get more. It's going to. If push anything, it I further. think if in front of them, uh, there's only two that like. So Nakua is going to go down with Cooper Cup coming back. Adams can stay because Adams and Jacoby Myers are like the only two people Jacoby or Jimmy Garoppolo throws to. Uh, Hill should stay because similar only two. And A.J. Brown should, but I can see A.J. Brown slipping behind him because Devonta Smith will have better weeks. This was he wasn't out there. Last week, and now he's back up there. This this will be volatile. I think the most consistent are Allen, Adams, and Hill. That's it. End of list. It's crazy. Wide receiver market, man. A uh, couple other pieces. This is on the quarterbacks. Uh, ESPN report out there. Derek Carr is going to be week to week with a sprained AC joint. I would expect it's no this week. 
and then you just kind of take it. You, you literally, as a fantasy owner, would take it week to week if you were dependent on Derek Carr. Hopefully you didn't. Hopefully you're not. Hopefully you had made other decisions. But Jameis Winston comes in and probably doesn't downgrade a lot of the weapons. I don't really think there's a massive downgrade across the board. Um, Kamara helps kind of the offense in general. Also in the quarterback market, Jimmy Garoppolo in the concussion protocol probably pushes through it, but monitor that, you know, that that would in theory have an effect because like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo throws to two people. And if he's not in, you might have somebody, you know, that like spreads the ball around. So that might not be good, but we'll talk about some quarterback streamers, but any thoughts on Derek Carr to that offense, Jimmy Garoppolo with a concussion. Uh, I mean, you also got like Bryce Young. They said they're not sure if he's going to play. So that might be more Andy Dalton, which is good for Thielen and uh, Anthony Richardson. We don't have any update on. So there's a lot of questionable QB things, but that's more in the like QB 10 to 20 market yeah i'm not worried about it. No, really uh Jameis winston doesn't worry me as much uh he throws to running backs more than people the perception is because of course before him was drew Brees, who throws almost like half his passes to the run not, not that much but you get it. Like, everybody's going to be a drop off from drew Brees throwing to the running back so I'm not that worried about it. The, mo- the one thing I am is like the people that are going crazy being like, oh, Jameis Winston is going to be so many yards and so many touchdowns because he's so wrecked. Like, do we not forget that Jameis had kind of like checked himself down like he had become a better decision maker? But unfortunately, for fantasy purposes, it pulled down his numbers a little bit the last time he was starting multiple games. So like, I think Olave and Thomas will be fine. Like, it, it, honestly, without Derek Carr, this makes me a little bit more hesitant on trusting a Shahid dart throw who also had a terrible week three but you know still being a dart throw like I wouldn't even dart throw him until their car is back at this point yeah so you know there's no big downgrades to your stars maybe for some like you know the Shaheens that you're trying to get in there but it is getting weird quarterback-ish right now and a couple of quarterbacks that were in the 20s in preseason draft are moving up a couple in the 10 moving down and then that middle core is just banged up so you re- the quarterback streaming portion of Jake's articles might become even more important for you guys to watch. Lots of other things to monitor in the injury market, Ravens backfield and whatnot, which we are actually going to get to and talk about because we're going to talk about the running back waivers. We're going to be going through the top five from Jake's article. There are many more on there, plus the meh options. And we got a little dumpsville coming in here. So make sure you check out the article. But coming in at number one is not a Chon. It is not a chunt. It is Justice Hill, Melvin Gordon, and Keaton no. Mitchell. You no. you put all these guys. Yeah, but read the explanation. Just like the people in the comments, it's not all three of them. It's only one. It's only Justice Hill. Only Justice Hill. Yeah, I'm putting you put in there, but it is clearly only Justice Hill in this. But Justice Hill over a So Because break we it down. know, well, likely no Gus Edwards. Justice Hill was already in front of Gus Edwards before he had his issue with his toe. And this is assuming Justice Hill is back for week four. If he's not back for week four, he's not number one over Achon. Like, that's just not, you're talking about a potential another week. But it comes down to no Gus Edwards with Hill back in the lead. And Melvin Gordon is the next man up behind. Like, Justice Hill is going to be an RB2. That's, he's more trustable because going forward, let's play these backfields out. You have Hill. And Gus Edwards, Melvin Gordon is basically a non-factor if they're both healthy. The yeah. problem with Achon is not himself. Like he is supremely talented. I, like there is a ton of upside with him to continue to be an RB three, just like Justice Hill. There, there's some similarities between the players. Some, 
the problem is Mostert's been great. Mostert's the number one running back in fantasy ahead of Christian. Also McCaffrey. scored four touchdowns in yes, that game, which is insane. Christian. And it, of course, he's not going to stay the top running back, probably not even top five. But what also is not going to stay is the consistency of being able to trust this backfield because Jeff Wilson's going to show up in week five. And that's what the biggest problem is. I don't think Jeff Wilson's stepping in front of Mostert. I don't think he's stepping in front of Achon. Like, he's going to be the third option, but this is the third option in the backfield that will use pieces week in and week out, depending on what the game script is. They might shift one way. What the, go back to the Patriots, what we just saw in week three. The Patriots-Zeke situation, I don't think was so much that they were upset with Stevenson. I think this was a bad defensive matchup, and if you're going to run tougher carries, you're going to sprinkle Zeke in more. Again, they have another bad matchup this week with the Cowboys. I expect that repeating this week. That's this issue with the Dolphins is one week it could be Mostert. One week it could be Achan. I almost said Achan. One week it could be Jeff Wilson. Like, there's a world where Jeff Wilson comes in and ruins this entire thing, and that's the only reason Hill's in front of him. If you want to chase pure upside, 100% upside and nothing more, I have no problem going Achan over Justice Hill. But for pure fantasy value, probability-wise, Hill over Achan and the frustration that is probably coming. What's been interesting with the Ravens is the Ravens offense just hasn't looked good. And like Lamar is okay. Like that offense. Edwards was on his way to a top 20 performance before he got hurt. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, on his way to a top 20 performance on what is like a, eh, a very meh offense where the Dolphins just put up 70. And I agree with you. Um, what I'm a little bit worried because Achon comes in at number two here, so it's Justice Hill and Achon. What I'm worried about with Achon is that, and you, you and I have talked about this. You might just never know when to make the right move. You might always make the wrong move because now everyone's going to be like, "All right, now I got to get him in the lineup," and then he's going to get six carries for 26 yards and, and a catch, and everyone's going to be like, "What the what the heck is going on here?" Right. And then you'll bench him, and he'll keep going back and forth to what you're alluding to. But that offense is so powerful and and so dynamic that if he is going to be a featured back, he might be one of those guys that if, I mean, like if he is given 15 touches a game versus Justice Hill, 15 touches a game. And by touches, of course, I, mean carries I just don't think catches, that's Who would you rather have? Who, but who would you rather have on the 15? Hey, John, no question. But okay. it, it, that's the problem is I don't think that's happening, especially when you have Jeff Wilson coming back. Could it? Yes. And that's why I said, if you want to chase upside and that's what you're going for, no problem with it, but it, it really just comes down to, I think your roster construction will help too. Like, you, you know, if you've struggled, you have Brees Hall isn't doing anything yet. Uh, you know, you lost Saquon Barkley and you need somebody to trust. And again, he has to be back. And like Justice Hill will be the one to trust. If it's your RB4 and you don't need to start him, unless it's like, hey, they, they could potentially blow somebody out this week. Or you wait Jeff Wilson gets hurt. Jeff Wilson gets released. <laughs> I mean, what a shock. Like, what the stranger things have happened. Mostert gets hurt. Mostert injuries as much as it's any. His fa- it's like, his favorite thing. And then in that case, but see, that's what you brought up is the problem with it. Unless one of them clears out. Like, if you just told me Jeff Wilson is never coming back, he's done. Achon is number one. But it's the Jeff Wilson issue. That's the thing. If Mostert, you told me Mostert's got two, two three more weeks left. With Jeff Wilson coming back, and now it's just going to be Jeff Wilson and Achon again, Achon. But that's that's the issue. I do think how you said the roster construction is important, but I think I'm pretty firm. Just these guys swapped because I just don't think like Gus Edwards a little bit banged up. Like Gus Edwards and Justice are always going to split, 
And I just also think he's just going to be kind of boring. Like, he'll be fine. Like, maybe it's in there. Where I think there are scenarios... No, production is production, and I don't want to poo-poo it because I have Justice Hill in a lot of spots. I had actually picked him up after week one in in a bunch of places. Uh, H-On was not available anywhere. But I I feel like the upside is really great for H-On. And when you're looking at making these pickups, you do have to bear out, like, if you are just in a disastrous running back situation, you probably do have to play it safer. Like, Justice Hill is a guy that you you, you can kind of count when when healthy that he's going to get like 12 to 15 touches a game on in that offense and it it's just going to be shared you can kind of dream on Achon a little bit how do you think that both of these guys compare against what we saw with Jerome Ford last week on the waivers where it was like oh this is going to be the guy that maybe they're bringing Kareem Hunt which they did but he was going to be the main guy Jerome Ford wasn't awesome this week but we saw the snap percentage and usage how do you think from a using your waivers and your fab perspective, it compares to Jerome Ford. I'd still take Jerome Ford. Like, terrible matchup. Terrible matchup. And got the use in the passing game, which that was the biggest thing, is that Jerome Ford is a decent pass catcher. Yes, can Kareem Hunt being there cap what could have been? Sure. Is he going to pick Nick Chubb? No. But the upside of, you give it, you talk about the 15 touches, I know he's getting 15 touches. I know he's getting 15 touches on one of the most dominant offenses or dominant offensive lines and the lines, most yeah. dominant defense we've seen since 1999. There's a lot. I wasn't the one. There was a lot of people that tweeted that out. It's the most dominant defense through the first three weeks since the 1999 Buccaneers. That's what everybody's like, whatever metric stats that you want to use. So when you have that, you go down the road of they should be in control of most games, not playing from behind. What does that turn to? Jerome Ford, not Kareem Hunt. So that's why, like you're telling me 15 touches. I would love 15 for Achon, but if you're telling me who I out of that group, Ford, Achon, and all the rest, and the, all the all the Ravens, the only person in that group is Ford that I trust to get 15 every week. Yeah, and and when you break down like the snap percentages with the Dolphins, I think everything is hard to gauge on that game because they just scored too many points. I mean, they legit could have beat like <laughs> basketball teams like with the, what they put up, but you saw. Almost all the snaps on third down go to Mostert, and you saw almost all the snaps in the red zone go to Achon. So it's like, how is that going to play out moving forward is a question. And it's just kind of dicey, but like if I am, if I tend to, and hopefully your roster construction allows you to take bigger shots on waivers than desperation, because this I think would be a time I'd rather take the shot on Achon than have to desperately try to fill a spot on my roster, having to like, oh my God, I gotta have Justice Hill to um, you know, to fill out my RB spot because everything's breaking apart. But you know, that's that's how it goes. And you guys decide between them, but probably a step down from whatever Ford was going for in last week's are where these two guys sit. Coming in at number three, dude, Zach Charbonnet was just a bowling ball at the end of that game. If you, if anyone was watching, just boom. I mean, he looked like a guy shot out of a cannon that just was throwing his body into people. And I thought that was a good sign, though Ken Walker is still the dominant back here, yet Charbonnet comes in at number three on the RB waiver. So uh, what say you? Mm, are you trying to argue he should be higher? No, no, I'm not. Well, <laughs> okay. The no. way that you phrase that, like you just, I, I, I don't know. Just I was super to... impressed with how Charbonnet was running the ball. Like he, I like that bowling ball effect. The problem is, is Ken Walker, like Travis Etienne with Bigsby, is in no danger of losing carries. I don't think in one ounce of losing the dominant 
uh, production of like handoffs and throwing them the ball. So that's where I think like I don't get super excited about Charbonnet this year. I think for Dynasty, it's kind of fun, but I think it's going to take injuries and whatnot to make there be any type of timeshare where you can start Charbonnet. To start Charbonnet, mm, by weeks, injuries, I think you could get into an RB3 conversation because it's gone up each week as Charbonnet has been involved more. Uh, this goes down to maybe rookie comfort level with Pete Carroll, uh, but he was up there to 44% of the snaps. And it was only 50% for Ken- Kenneth Walker in that game. Now, some of it could be late in the game. You could say, like, all right, it probably would have been more of like a 55-40 or even 60-35-ish. But the point is, it's moving up for Charbonnet. 21 touches for Walker, as you mentioned, 10 for Charbonnet. He's not a threat. He's not like Ken Walker still showing some of his inefficiencies from last year, which is the biggest concern that like Walker just seeds some. And this ends up being a two thirds to one third split, which would be a decrease. And like, again, that actually comes almost out to a two thirds to one third split in that game. But again, that's a little bit different for that game in a typical week. You know, you might see more of like 15 to nine, that kind of, and then that just caps Ken Walker from being an RB one, which he's been so far and it kind of puts him in this. So I would say potential sell high in Kenneth Walker, a definite grab in Charbonnet because Charbonnet could sneak into, we're about to hit buys in a few weeks and there's some 16 buys in there where you might have to start Charbonnet. You might have to start Charbonnet in a 12 team league. I'm not even talking deep bench, just a 12 team league. You might have to start him. Um, and then, of course, if anything were to happen to Ken Walker, you have a top 20 running back on your hands immediately. I, I 100% agree with that. If Walker were to go down in any capacity, Charbonnet is like a week in and week out top 20 back. And yeah, on the usage, like I think it was like the last drive or two drives, like Walker didn't come out. It was just all Charbonnet because I think of yeah. the game script and how it was played. So that upped the snap percentage. Coming in at number four, I thought this was, I didn't expect this, Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller comes in at number four as Alvin Kamara will be is activated and is going to be back in action. Uh, Miller makes your top four on the RB waivers of this week. Mostly it comes down to a lot of what I was saying all preseason. Actually, immediately when they drafted him, when they drafted him, I was like, oh, what? Because we knew Kamara was going to – actually, at that point, it wasn't certain, but we all assumed. The, the suspension was coming. And then they draft Miller, who – Interestingly enough, like my fantasy comp for him was Jamal Williams. And that's why I was like, mm. you just drafted Jamal Williams again. Like what? Like, I don't get it. Like you would say like, okay, Kamara suspended. So let's draft a pass catcher like that. Like that's fill in Kamara's role. And so I looked at that. and I was just like, that's weird. But now it's working out because I don't think this is how they planned it. But Jamal Williams is hurt. Jamal Williams is on the IR. And Tony Jones was fine for what he was. It, you mixed in there. But he's kind of like that get between the tackles, get a little bit of something. But Kendra Miller can be Jamal Williams, which means he's the perfect complement for Kamara, which just means he's Jamal Williams. And what was Jamal Williams? It was an RB3 with upside for top 15 finish if he scores in the end zone. So I think that you see a split going forward with them just like back in the day with Kamara and Mark Ingram. Obviously not that level of the offense, but I think that's what you're looking for here. So I would definitely go grab Kendra Miller. And then, of course, Kamara's had a layoff. He can come back and aggravate like have an injury he could come back and True. underperform for like he wasn't at this point of his career he's like 90 percent of peak camara we saw it last year still really good but not the peak peak camara that we used to know he definitely isn't that guy anymore that like despite the inefficiencies in the offense he makes everything happen like he kind of goes with the flow of the offense if they're not moving the ball he's not going to get big breakaway stuff if they bring guys inside the box 
um, which is going to happen a lot less because Mike Thomas is out there and he's looking better with um, Olave. But, you know, he can put up some big duds. Uh, the final one on the RBs, number five, Jalen Warren, who <laughs> I our buddy Bogman just I keep talking to him. It's like all Najee does his play is hand the ball off and run into the butts of the offensive linemen. That's all he knows how to do. Where Jalen Warren just week in and week out looks like the better back. They just got to get the usage going up a little bit. So there's a possibility that, you know, him not taking over could have gotten him back out on some more wires for people. But you say that at least in this pantheon of running backs, he needs to be a guy that's picked up and maybe the usage is going to pick up as well soon maybe I just, I don't buy it. Like this is purely of if they make the switch, this is, we can sit here and bang the table and, you know, bang the drum and yell at the stuff and blah, do more with Jalen Warren. We will make the switch. He's more explosive. Interesting thing. I brought this up last week and it hasn't changed more explosive runs and more explosive plays. Najee Harris. I brought it up last week and actually last week, Jalen Warren had a big fat zero on explosive plays. Now, I'm not saying, because I just went, we, Pat Mayo and I argue for like five minutes on this. I'm not saying Jalen Warren hasn't looked better than Najee Harris quite frequently. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the trash and the heap of crap that gets piled on Najee Harris isn't 100% warranted. Has he been as explosive as a player? No. Is it all his fault? Also, no. The offensive no. line is doing him no favors. Part yeah. of it is his style is not fit. Like a decent offensive line, you would see Najee Harris from two years ago. Najee Harris is never going to be the one to overcome an offensive line like that. Jalen Warren has shown the ability, like you just mentioned. He slips through those lanes a little better. He's got the slipperiness. He can fit through the crevices better than Najee Harris can. But if you give him some decent blocking, it's kind of like Derrick Henry. If you're going to stop Derrick Henry, you have to do it before he makes a second step. You have to get it before he gets going. Because once he gets going, you're screwed. I'm not saying Najee Harris is Derrick Henry, but I'm bringing that all together to say Najee Harris isn't dead. He's not trash. He's not terrible. He's not Trent Richardson to say running into the offensive line. No, but this team is doing him no favors. The Steelers are not making the switch. That's where I'm going with this. They are not switching to Jalen Warren as the lead. They're still giving Najee Harris like 20 touches a week. So unless we finally get Mike Tomlin to make the change, you can't start Jalen Warren. We can scream at the top of our lungs for him to do it, and we want to see him do it. But until that happens, you can't. But that's why he's at five, because if Mike Tomlin finally does it, we can celebrate and be like, okay, now we have an RB2, and now we can move on from Najee Harris. But until then, you kind of almost still have to keep starting Najee Harris like as a mid-20 running back. That's the And that's the other part of it, too, is you still have to start Harris over Warren. Yeah, and one of the things that made Warren so nice a couple years ago was he was, in every snap, he would run and catch the ball. He no longer catches the ball. That job has been given to Jalen Warren, who didn't oh, yeah, dominate you in this Harris. game. I was like, Where, you, said, you said Warren, and I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah Najee, Najee Harris, yeah. Yeah, like, that's gone from Najee Harris. Like, he does not catch the ball. That's Warren now that's doing that, and that eats into both of them because it's like Warren is making a bigger force in the passing game. Najee doesn't have that. Something to monitor. Um, just keep betting Jalen Warren's receiving prop. I think that's the, really <laughs> the way to go here. In Dumpsville on the RBs, and we're going to the wide receivers, you had a couple good players, but Jerick McKinnon made that list after uh, scoring two touchdowns, but I think he touched the ball four times in this game. And that's, yeah, okay, five, and I think that's probably double what he's done all season. <laughs> so 40% of his touches went for touchdowns. 
There you go. Yeah. It's touchdown or bust for Jeffrey Kinnon. Like Matt Nagy has made him way, 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 way down the list as the third option. Clyde Edwards Alaire is back to being the number two. He's the number two in Hilarious. case anything is to Pacheco. So what we saw from McKinnon last year was like, this is why I was taking McKinnon in like the 11th round. I was like, do we not remember last year? Do we not remember Jerry McKinnon league winner? And of course, Pacheco is going to be the lead. But I for sure, I, I, I will admit 100% thought McKinnon would be like a J.D. McKissick at worst, like an RB3 and half a full point PPR. And then you do get the touchdown. It's not even that. You can't. He should He should be like, no, don't let somebody else pick him up because they're going to start him next week and his five touches are going to equate to 13 yards and nothing. I completely agree. Going over to the wide receivers, this is where the fun is this week on waivers if you need some wide receiver help. And coming in at number one is Tank Dell after having a big old breakout performance. He has looked good. They are throwing the ball like crazy every single game. Yes, Nico Collins gets targets, but the constant is Tank Dell. And Tank Dell looks like he can continue to go. So Tank comes in at number one. I would probably say if you put these running backs in here, he's also going to become number one. What do you think Tank Dell is going to be rest of season as far as wide receiver? Is this a wide, a good wide receiver three? Is there wide receiver two upside? What do you think? I think three, and I would still put him behind Echon. Uh, just because running backs are tougher to find. And then, there, again, the scenario is that Wilson is a non-factor. And if it's still only two running backs, Mostert and Achan, I would still take that. Uh, this comes down to Tank Dell. Like, I wasn't expecting this. This is another one I'll admit, mostly because I know who Tank Dell is. And in the entire history of the NFL, players his size, sub-180 pounds, 5'6", zero on the list of 1,000-yard receivers in the history of the NFL. It's like, it just doesn't happen because... They're diminutive, and that's not taking away from Tank Dell. Like, Tank Dell, as we've seen, is a significant weapon with the ball in his hands, and he can get downfield, and he can get over the middle. It's just when the team starting to—like, if you get a corner who can run as fast as he can, and he's even 5'10 and 200 pounds, like— He's just not going to win anything, and that's the problem. He has to get into space. But they've been doing a great job. C.J. Stroud's been doing a great job of throwing him in space. That's C.J. Stroud we knew coming into this draft was the best pocket passer, most NFL pocket passer, premium style, whatever you want to call it, professional, whatever, pro-style offense. Stroud was the best, and he's shown that so far, maybe even undervalued in the draft with how good he's looked. The issue here is just Tank Dell, Nico Collins, one and two. Now, like, has Woods been cast to number three? And so far, the last two weeks, it's kind of happened. But does that continue to happen? Does John Mechie come in and ruin it when he's 100%? Does he start getting some of the slot work that he was getting before? So that's all it is. It's like, I think he has the most upside of all the wide receivers. But I also think that if you look behind him when we start talking about the Chargers guys, Dobbs is still out there. Uh, Zay Jones, if he can get healthy again, like... He has a floor where he can finish behind all of them. What would be nice is to see him play more out of the slot. Only 26.5% is coming out of the slot. And I think a lot of that was this week because I had looked prior to the week three uh, stats coming out and he wasn't, he was under 12%. So I don't even know what it was through the first two weeks. So I think there was a lot more slot usage this week. And hopefully that continues because, like you said, separation is going to help him a lot. And. Keep talking. Oh, you have the first first two I'll find the number while you're talking. Yeah, I mean, the explosive big plays, like a lot of these guys, I mean, you see Justin Jefferson's of the world get moved into the slot for open separation. Okay, so it was 18.9 and it went up to 26. So if the trend continues, you hope that, I, I would like to see 
at least 50% of his snaps be out of the slot. And, and I'd like to see thing. that happen a lot more. He was over 90% in three wide sets through the first two weeks. And then week three, only 57%, which means he was on the field a hell of a lot more in two wide receiver sets, which is that's what you want to see. Again, that's why I go to. And the one that fell into the three wide wasn't even Woods. They knocked Nico Collins down to 100% of his snaps came in 11, three wide, three wide receivers. That's possibly concerning if this continues. Like, yeah, why, why, why? I don't, he'd been so amazing. I don't I know. know what happened. This is, this is potentially, I don't know if it's a one week situation. Again, this is why I don't ever like to overreact to just one week. I and mean, we are talking about against Jacksonville. Maybe there's a matchup they saw, a situation they saw. Jacksonville's defense is pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's good enough that like maybe there was just something here. I want to see more. We got the Houston Texans this week, home against Pittsburgh. That should be a tough matchup on paper. I think it'll be very telling and potentially damning for one or the other to see who's only out there in three wide. Hopefully and it's Robert Woods. Three, <laughs> well, Robert Woods, I just looked. He's actually the number one slot receiver for the team, 44% in the slot. So the three wide receiver sets happen. They put Tank and Nico on the sides, and then Robert Woods is coming up on the inside. I'd like to see them make that switch, and hopefully that switch happens a little bit more. Now, number two on this list is actually kind of my favorite this week, and it's due to that unfortunate injury, but it's Joshua Palmer. So Joshua Palmer, who scored a touchdown in this game, I just every time I watch him when he actually gets targets, he just looks good. He always looks good, looks good in um, the preseason. He just doesn't ever get the share. And I love him this week. But at number four on your list, a lot of people are making the argument as well, is the uptick in what Quinton Johnston could do for this team. So I'm giving you two and four on the waivers here. So talk to us about Palmer X Quinton Johnston. Yeah, it's a huge discrepancy in the team routes. Uh, Palmer is way vastly 30. We're talking about 91 routes to 38 routes so far. For So Joshua Palmer is clearly the number three. It's no question about it. So as of today, he steps in as the number two. That being said, this ceiling is with Johnston. Like the talent, if he hits, the talent, the upside, the ceiling is Johnston. Whether or not he gets the opportunity is the question here. He hasn't even been given the opportunity to really clearly be the three. He has been mixing around as the four. Like there's like, you know, the, somebody like Jalen Guyton getting back into the mix all of a sudden. Like there's, there's no guarantee here because he just could be slow to develop. Like Johnston was of the first round wide receivers. He was the rawest. No question about it. So yeah. if they see potential, it might take a few weeks and Johnston can get past Palmer, which is why Palmer's only at two for me. Because there's a world where I could see Palmer slipping back two three. He could be one of these scenarios where uh, Joshua Kelly, same team. Joshua Kelly is a great complement to a running back. As the lead, he's not any good. Awful. I told. I said this yesterday. I said Joshua Kelly is a better fantasy back with Austin Eckler than yes. without, and it's just not even a question. Yes. And so that's my concern with Joshua Palmer because we said Joshua Palmer had these chances last year too. Now. I will go back to last year and something I mentioned as well. Joshua Palmer was a replacement for Mike Williams last year, and DeAndre Carter was a replacement for Keenan Allen because of who played in the slot. Carter, Palmer played outside, and that was a very specific. They kept Keenan Allen in a role. They kept Mike Williams in a role. This wasn't Kellen Moore back then, and it was very specific. So if Josh Palmer is able to open up more with Kellen Moore like Keenan Allen is, I think there's upside. But if you're talking about somebody who pro profiles specifically to replace Mike Williams, it's more Johnston. Like if that role, that person, it's more Johnston. So again, that's why I'm at four. I still would take Palmer. The Palmer is the guy. He's just he could fail as the two, and then that opens the door for Johnston. But it's sandwiched in between there. I'll jump ahead. 
is the Dobbs. Like, I think Dobbs is a better yeah. play and pick than Johnston because he's the one or two. Like, they just... He's the one or two. Like, if Watson comes back, he's the two. So far, he's been the one. I mean, Reed's made some nice plays, and I love Reed, and I think Reed can get past Dobbs, similarly to Quentin Johnston. But just like Josh Palmer, Dobbs is the guy as of right now, and has been the guy. How is Dobbs still on waivers? Like, were there people that upset with week two? I think so. I, I do. I really think so. I think also with the every week, assuming Christian Watson is coming back, and then how the Packers have just offense has kind of rolled in general. I think those are the questions. Jaden Reed, I think, had the second most red zone targets of any wide receiver so far, which also, I think, puts some questions into, like, you know, three receivers with Dobbs and Reed being behind uh, Christian Watson. Like, what is that going to end up looking like? This is an interesting crew, all three of these guys, between Palmer. Palmer and Dobbs, I think, are a lot closer than Johnston is. But, you know, as you laid it out, Johnston is the big home run play. Uh, Number five on the list. I think he is, and you say this in there, he is an Andy Dalton special. Not to say that he won't still be good when Bryce Young is back, but clearly when when Andy Dalton is in, Adam Thielen is like a wide receiver too and should be treated (laughs) accordingly, and he might be this week. You cite that. Uh, Anything you want to add with Thielen at number five? Not really. I mean, we also, even without that game, he already led the team in routes and team target percentage. It's just, it's been inconsistent because that's what Bryce Young in this offense will be. You know, we've seen Mingo pop in there and now we see DJ Chark, who I think DJ Chark's an interesting one further down the list by far, uh, mostly because he's still that boomer bust wide receiver four that and potentially a health issue. Um, but I, I, you know, Minko's way down, but the only consistent, and you said the constant before the constant has been Adam Thielen. It's just, it's not constant production unless it's Adam, Andy Dalton will make unless it constant Dalton. production. <laughs> Dalton, I mean, and Thielen was like 3,700 in DFS this past weekend. And it's like, it's absurd. He's good. Tank Dell was too, by the way, it was crazy in Dumpsville. And the revenge, revenge narrative. No, I love revenge narratives. And you got Zeke versus the Cowboys. Revenge. Uh, in Dumpsville, you did something interesting where you put one of the top rookie wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba goes in there. We kind of talk about you draft he's these guys there. knowing where they're going to be behind, but you are ready to put him in Dumpsville now. He's been there like full in. No, I know. But I mean, like you're you're fully committed to dumping Jackson Smith. Would you dump Jackson Smith and Jigba for Josh Palmer? Yes, I dumped Jackson Dobbs? Smith and Jigba for week one. Like, like, <laughs> okay. Our, like already done. I just keep putting them in there because I'm surprised because Mingo and Mims were already in there too, but they're also in pickups because people are like, "Oh, how can you have one and the other?" It's like it depends on the league size. Like I go down to 15 to 20 running backs and wide receivers every single week because some people play in 18 leagues, some people play in 16 team leagues, some people play in 12 team with 10 team bench or 10 man benches. Like that's trying to yep. cover all bases here. So Mingo is a great stash. He's also droppable in most leagues because he's fourth now that Chark is back. So it depends on what you can stash. Smith and Jigba since week one has been, you can dump him. He needs Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf to get hurt. But like Quentin Johnston and Josh Palmer, if that ever happened, he's essentially a handcuff. Like he's, he's trailing Burks on a team with two wide receivers and a better passing game. Like Traylon Burks, you can't ever start. Like he had the whole flash here and there. And Smith and Jigba will probably have a game at some point where he finishes top 20 at wide receiver. But you can't ever start him, ever, even in a great matchup, just because the opportunities aren't there, unless one of them gets hurt and then, boom, congratulations. Like if you want to go up the list, I have DJ Chark on there. If I was stashing pure upside and had no use for like I'm never starting DJ Chark. 
I would stash, stash Smith and Jigba. I would stash Marvin Mims. I would stash them over Rashid Shahid and Michael Wilson and even Tutu Atwell because Tutu Atwell is about to go pff, the way of the yeah, dodo yeah. in two weeks. Yeah, bye-bye Atwell is where we're definitely heading. Uh, final in here, just some streaming options. There's a lot of quarterback mess like I talked about. Top three, and there are more on the article. If you are streaming quarterbacks, Russell Wilson at number one, followed by Matthew Stafford and C.J. Stroud. I, again, love C.J. Stroud this week going up against Pittsburgh, even though the problem is going to be is if that defensive line gets in his face, he's not going to be able to make those throws. But the secondary is all, Patrick Peterson's the worst corner in the NFL, so there's some, there's some stuff that's open there but Russell Wilson tops your list of quarterback streamers this week I mean he continues to throw he gets the Bears this week he can he's still a great quarterback you can get blown out 70 to 20 and still like Russell Wilson's fine like I don't don't know what put it this way until further notice Russell Wilson over Justin Fields until further notice like it it can switch (laughs) tell me why not no 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 that was that was more of the like the reality because you're I mean I don't think Justin Fields if you don't look at a matchup, is not a startable fantasy quarterback. No. Only you, problem is the, the matchup Russell this Wilson week just is ha- yeah. enticing. Russell Wilson just had his worst game of the season. Granted, it's only three. Worst game of the season, but it was what Justin Fields has been putting up. 14, 15 points, depending on your league. And that's what Justin Fields has yeah. been doing every single week. Until, until like, do not, dr- make this clear. I said the same thing in the way. Do not drop Justin Fields. This can get right. I am not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but we played this game last year where people were like, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? Should I bench Patrick Mahomes for Trevor Lawrence? Should I bench Patrick Mahomes for Daniel Jones? Like, we played this game last year, and everybody like, go back and check the tape. This happened last year. They're like, let's be patient. They're going to fix it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are smart enough, and they did. Justin Fields can and should get right, but until that happens, you have to bench him. It's not the Patrick Mahomes situation where he keeps starting him, but for please do not drop Justin Fields yet. I agree. I just don't know if there's anybody in the Bears staff that is smart enough to fix that like the Chiefs would. But I agree. He is not a he's not a bench, but he's not a start, even though this matchup this week might get him just in startable territory on the tight ends. You might be dealing with some tight end issues. Luke Musgrave leads the way. Cole Turner came in over Jake Ferguson, which I thought was interesting. These are your top three streaming tight end options. Uh, Any notes you want to add to any of these three guys? Specifically, I mean, obviously, Logan Thomas being hurt. Cole Turner's interesting, but like what? Philly. Philly struggles against the same thing as we saw in the first two weeks. It didn't hit as well as in the third week, but Philly struggles. Slot corners or slot corner situation, tight ends. Slot wide receivers will be able to do work against them. Uh, they could change. Maybe they fixed their issue, but it didn't. It week three was kind of more of like a factor of the, how things were played out on Monday night versus was actually their defense as a whole in the passing game. And there were still some plays being made. I mean, you saw Kate Otten made a decent, decent catch at one point. Um, but it's just Cole Turner who had the excitement in the preseason and then Logos Thomas was healthy. So I look going against Philly in that situation versus Jake Ferguson, who would like, I mean, what he could have 15 catches and get 26 yards like that that's like like <laughs> that's why i'm like I really, he's very touchdown dependent too like he gets targeted in the red zone but like Dak isn't hitting anybody in the red zone right now and yeah he might have a total of 18 his yards on is like 12 0. targets 7 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks like debo's a dot last year which is crazy but no um yards after the catch and luke musgrave is the leader of Detroit. the like 
Thursday night. We'll just make it happen. Yeah, like he's the leader of the tight ends. It's like, oh, you don't have Sam Laporta? Like you don't have the upside? Like just Luke Musgrave, you'll get your five catches for 45 yards. Full PPR, you'll get nine points. Like that's who he is. But he's getting you know more targets fun? and what? And like I, I mentioned a couple of things I got wrong. So can we finish this show in victory lapping the one thing I was saying? Stop. Absolutely. Stop. Stop with Dalton Kincaid. And if you're going to be on Dalton Kincaid, why not at least in the same conversation, same tier, we had this conversation before the season started, that Musgrave and Laporta should be in the same conversation as Dalton Kincaid. Easy, easy, easy. And you were right about that. I actually have a two tight end league where we I have Kincaid and Musgrave. And Musgrave is going to be the starter because we missed on Laporta. And Laporta is an easy top eight wider uh tight one end of four tight ends with double digits per game four we have four yeah. whole tight ends that put double digits per game oh baby and his buys about to hit is back oh my god yeah, it is back <laughs> it's back uh jake is back as well all in kid on twitter the waivers are here ranks are coming by the time you know you're like really locked into this episode or within 24 hours you can get week four ranks over at the athletic so get a subscription today if you don't have it you can download the app which you can just boop 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 you can see it all there on the app it's worth it. Go and check them out today. Athletic.com. That's, that's when you, when you check Jake's ranks, that's what it sounds like. Even though there's no sounds and it's not like a space odyssey computer from 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Dave. It's not like that, but you know, beep, boop, beep. That's what you do. So go and check those ranks out today. Follow him on Twitter, all in kid. You can follow me at is it the Welsh. Make sure you're subscribed here because Brandon Funson and I will be back later in the week to talk about those ranks where we're battling Jake and more. Good luck this week, friends. Good luck in waivers. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Mm-hmm.